I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Christian McCaffrey, we got to get to it. He did not score this week, and it hurt. The first time in his, what, 17 consecutive games that I decide to add his anytime touchdown to my slips, and it's on me. That's my fault. I should not have touched him. I should have just let the streak ride. I wanted to get greedy and get in on the action. He breaks the record, then says, ah, I don't need anything else. Let's see if somebody else can do it another time, but that's fine. They won. He played well. The whole team played well. Just not my slips. Also got to give a shout out to Brock Purdy. He went crazy. 19 of 26, three touchdowns, but the way he did it, it wasn't just all scripted clean. He was balling. He was making plays, scrambling, extending it. The one down the field to George Kittle was nasty. He had a dude in his face. Pause. The one that he hit Diuk early in the game, like he is just, look, I'm going to say it, non-concussed Brock Purdy is good Brock Purdy. And he elevates the 49ers tremendously. Also, the 49ers were the beneficiaries of having Debo Samuel and Trent Williams back. More so than anything, Debo being able to get a little bit of the weight taken off of Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams locking down that left side. Look, Kyle Shanahan needs his toys. He looks good when he has his toys. When he doesn't have his toys, it can get a little rough and a little sketchy, but Kyle Shanahan with toys, good Kyle Shanahan. This leads us into the next point, though. The Jaguars, like Saxonville, wasn't there. They didn't show up. And I'm getting a little bit concerned about the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. When I watch them on film, their scheme just like looks a little too college to me. I don't think they're really setting up plays for the next one. I don't really think they're using their guys to the best of their abilities. Calvin Ridley, free him, should have traded him at the deadline because they don't use him. I'm just not seeing enough out of their offense and not enough creativity. They're not just going to line up against good teams and play better ball. You got a motion, you got a shift, you got to set plays up. And I just don't really see them doing it. So hopefully they adjust by the end of the year because I do like their team, but they definitely got exposed yesterday against the 49ers. I hopped off the bus for three weeks, but Kyle Shanahan got his toys back and I am all the way back in on the Niners. They look like the team to beat again. And that's that's the thing though. Like if they can stay healthy, get through the playoffs, they can be the Super Bowl team on that side. But you also see the Eagles. They're clicking on that side. There's some other NFC teams that are really balling right now. It's going to be a wild race. This NFL year just feels like anybody could win it, and that's fun. That's why we love the NFL. Speaking about weird weeks, Steelers, again, outgained, outrushed, out all of it, but they had the refs at their back. We got to talk about that fumble, man. The not fumble, actually. The incomplete pass that was thrown a yard backwards, blown dead, and would have been a scoop and score, but instead is no points no touchdown, and the Packers lose by four. That's tough. Packers fans, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve anything that you've been through this year, honestly. Maybe it's a little bit of a rebound from having 20-something years of great quarterback play, pretty solid teams, but you definitely didn't deserve that one on Sunday. But I will have to give props to Mike Tomlin, who actually finds ways to win games, and I think that's the number one characteristic of a good coach. Can you win games? Can you just find ways for your team to win when you lose players, when you have a bad year? Like, they're kind of, like, you don't really want to play them even though they're not good. I still think they're fraudulent from a roster standpoint, but they're doing it somehow. They got a few good players, and they're just kind of playing backyard ball, and it's working. If you're Matt LaFleur, I think you go back and you look at this game, and it's like, dang, we could have won this. What really needed to change to win this game? I have one blaring thing on my notes. Aaron Jones, 17 touches. Aaron Jones needs 20-plus touches in a game, and I think they win 90% of those games. Anytime he's under 20 touches, it's just like, how could you have been a little more creative to give him a few more that lead to explosive plays because he is a walking explosive play. And if you're not giving him his ops, man, it's just like, 
I don't know. I think you got to do a little bit better job there, but I was excited to see Jordan Love just sling it downfield with no regard. His arm angle was sick, had some sweet throws off balance. He did throw two picks. The first one on the double move, I don't love it. Could have been a little better ball, but also if you're a 6'4 receiver, 200 pounds, whatever you are, like go dunk on somebody. Go make a play that other guys around the league are playing versus falling back. I just like, I don't like to see that. And I think Jordan needs to not treat him like that receiver. Jordan has to treat him like a speed guy, not like a physical guy, and stop giving him those opportunities. Because if that was Romeo Dobbs, I know what Romeo Dobbs would have done. He would have jumped up, tried to dunk on somebody. But that's not Christian Watson. He's a speed guy. He's not the 6'4", 200-pound physical guy. He doesn't use his body that way. And I think that Jordan has to just chalk it up, stop throwing those balls like that, and go throw less interceptions. Because there's a common theme with his 50-50 ball interceptions and where they're going, who they're going to. And I just think... It's week 10. You've tested it too many times. Got to stop. The one thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, do better than anybody else in the league, the George Pickens back shoulder. If you watch these guys, it looks like Tom Brady to Randy Moss. It looks like, man, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. Like this, this one little glaring point of Kenny Pickett to George Pickens if that's the only thing they do well, man, they do that better than anyone in the league right now, and it's unstoppable. Just wanted to give that a shout-out because as bad as they are on offense, it is such a pretty poetic, artistic thing to watch, and I'm enjoying it, so shout-out to you. Now we got another game, a complete opposite. This one was a shootout. We have Lions Chargers. Man, big Dan Campbell. The dangling Dan Campbells. What did they say in the post-game press conference? Dude just let his nuts hang? All I'm going to say is Dan Campbell... You're not afraid, and we can see it bulging out that you're not afraid. He went for it on fourth down to seal the game and not give the Chargers any time back, and I absolutely love that call. Also, the Lions, I made a sketchy trade. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I made a really sketchy trade trading for David Montgomery while he was injured, knowing that Gibbs was popping off, and my God, seeing him get over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown just made me so happy. Seeing their two running back system come into full force like if anyone's going to do a two running back system it needs to be the lions because they have their bruiser that can also be a home run hit most bruisers are not that and then you have gibbs who is an absolute dynamic threat in the backfield out of the backfield catching running like all of it and then golf dude golf is dealing golf also has wide open receivers often but he's delivering and he's making every single throw he's super accurate when he's got time and that lions offense is crazy i'm a little disappointed in their defense, but the Lions are explosive. They won in a shootout, and it was fun to watch. I didn't really expect them to be a shootout team. Also have to give a shout out to Keenan Allen, my Fortnite partner. Had a big game. We were dropping pleasant, dropping bombs the other night. Then he goes in and transitions on a Sunday, his real job. Goes for a 175 and two tugs. Also traded for him in my fantasy league. Love to see that. I just wanted to give a shout out because even though they lost the Chargers, man, Keenan had a great game. Herbo had some really good plays. And again, the Chargers, if they could find even just an ounce an ounce of defense from their defensive-minded head coach. Make it make sense. This just feels like Justin Herbert's career is going down that Philip Rivers track. We're going to have a bunch of really good years, but never do it. Also, very reminiscent of Dan Marino. Dan Marino, if you guys know anything about his career, was one of the best of all time. Never won a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Justin Herbert. I just don't see it happening. What a great week of NFL ball. And I think I saw a tweet from Schefter saying that this was the most game winning or game deciding final plays in the history of the NFL in this week. And it's never happened before. There's like five or six games that ended as time expired with the winner undecided. And it was a game winning field goal, game winning touchdown, whatever it may be. 
But man, I was on the edge of my seat all day long. And like, I'm not like heavily invested in the games. I love watching, love breaking them down, have some slips here and there. But like, I felt anxiety watching these games because it was just one after another after another of nobody knows what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of the NFL. Five teams converted a game-winning field goal with no time remaining. That's just wild. Speaking of wild games, the Ravens and the Browns, I think it's good for the NFL. I think that the Browns being good makes it a little bit trickier in that AFC North. It also makes it so that the Bengals just don't waltz into the playoffs. They have to fight for it. They lost to the Texans. Bad loss. Tough loss. We'll get to that later. But the AFC North is a really, really tricky division. And I think as it stands today, all of those teams would be in the playoffs. I think maybe the Bengals borderline. I don't know. Deshaun Watson's second half, he finally showed up. We haven't seen him all year. He's been making a lot of money on very little performance. And this one might have bumped the scales a little bit in his direction because he went off in the second half, was nearly perfect. I think he was perfect. And also the Ravens, like, I might just think they're unlucky. Some tipped interceptions, some weird interceptions, like some fumbles here and there. They had that game in the bag. They're up 14 points with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and fumbled it away. And they're kind of becoming like old school Falcons, in my opinion. It's it's the bird. It must be a bird thing. But in my opinion, like the Ravens are still the better team. They didn't perform when they needed to. But like if you put these teams up against each other 10 times in a row, I still think the Ravens win like seven or eight of them. This was just one of those games that it wasn't going to go their way at the end. And the other crazy part about this one, like, the defenses, dude, I don't even know what to think. These defenses have been rock solid. I mean, the Browns were, what, number one defense in the last 50 years for the first six or seven weeks. Maybe that was due to a weak schedule, but 30-something points put up by both teams. It was just kind of crazy. I don't know. We'll see it. We got a quick reset. Ravens, Bengals this week coming up on Thursday. We will be highlighting that in the next episode, but my gosh, finally a brilliant Thursday night football game. I can't wait to see it. Both teams coming off of a bad loss. Both teams needing this win. That is must-see football. I love when I'm right, and I feel like with football, most of the time I'm right, and I'm going to pat my own back here, but CJ Stroud, he needs to be in the MVP conversation, and I've been saying this for weeks before people even, I mean, people were clowning me for saying CJ Stroud, best quarterback in the NFL. Like You guys don't understand. He is playing football at such a high level, and as a rookie, like he looks like a 10-year vet with all the talent in the world. And he's a rookie. And I, we might need to fact check this. Has a rookie ever won NFL MVP? The game-winning drive that he had was just an absolute masterclass, ripping it across the middle, big key plays, like with pressure. He showed why he should have been the number one overall pick. And if you are Panthers fans right now, if you are the owner right now, you have got to be sick to your absolute stomach that you let CJ Stroud get away. Joe Burrow, too, in this game, like, he had some great moments. He had some sick throws on the run, like, layering it over defenders, but he also threw two picks that were just kind of like, you just can't do it in a close game like this, and he ended up costing them. He kept them in the game, but he cost them, but I think more than anything, what this showed, this game showed the value of T. Higgins in that offense. The Bengals without T. Higgins are so big player nothing, you know, big player interception, T. Higgins in that offense is their staple, their Mr. Reliable, old reliable, consistent. Like they need him back and healthy because that's their X factor on their offense. Everybody wants to talk about Jamar Chase, and that's fine. He's going to get your big plays. But how you win football games in the NFL is converting on third down, staying ahead of the chains, and being consistent. And that's what T. Higgins brings to that offense. You saw Joe Burrow sacked a little more than he has been in the last few weeks, a little more pressure. It's because he wasn't able to get the ball out to his target 
that's bigger than everybody else, that's like able to make contested catches, that Joe trusts to make contested catches. And you really saw them miss that on Sunday. Also on the Texan side, if Noah Brown is available in your league, you need to be spending all of your free agent budget on him. He is a stud. Nico Collins is their T Higgins. Noah Brown and Tank Dell are both kind of like their Jamar Chases in that offense. But Noah Brown specifically, he should be able to be gotten in a few leagues. I see him kind of being picked up. If you can trade for him, get him. But that guy right there, seven for 172. He's a walking explosive play. Also, the Texans throw the ball a lot. They throw the ball all the time. So there's plenty of targets to go around between all their weapons. But man, I am high on the Texans. And I also made a I made an agreement earlier in the year that if the Texans got over eight wins this year, that I would jump through a table because I did not see it happening. I spoke out of my behind and I'm going to get a table ready because the Texans are kind of rolling and I like them. I, I don't know if they sneak into the playoffs, but if they do, what a story that would be. Have you guys ever thought about what it would be like to be traded to a team, not think you're going to play, but have to be ready enough to play, then have to play, go perform, and then do it again the next week against a defense that's like a really good defense in the NFL, and then ball out Josh Dobbs. The Pastronaut, dude, he is balling right now, and he's been balling all year. I'm tired of seeing the Josh Dobbs hate about how he played with the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't really have anybody, and he was doing everything he could to elevate them, to win them games, to play risky when he had to. Can't say it the way I want to, but I'm going to say this. Josh Dobbs is better for the Vikings than Kirk Cousins was, mainly because of his ability to extend plays, and you got to think, he's doing it right now. Two wins without Justin Jefferson. Have you guys ever seen Justin Jefferson able to play a football game when a quarterback can extend plays for five, six seconds past the normal route tree? I think Justin Jefferson's value is through the roof, all because of Josh Dobbs' ability to create, to extend. Dude, this offense could be going nuclear by the time he gets back, and Dobbs just has an ability that Kirk Cousins doesn't. Kirk Cousins is so good at what he's good at, but that offense, in my mind, always had a ceiling. And now, ceiling, I don't think it really exists. Kevin O'Connell is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He should honestly be up for coach of the year right now. I was joking around earlier in the year saying that the Vikings were cooked. They were losing games like weird games earlier that I don't really think they should have. But I always had respect for Kevin O'Connell and who he was as a coach because he was putting together a good performance on offense. Like They were playing good. What he has his team doing right now is nothing short of spectacular and i'm in on all of them like i really think that they are going to be a force in the nfc north sad enough to say and i don't think they're as good as the lions but damn if i don't want to watch josh dobbs and see what he can do with all his weapons against the lions like i think there's some substance there and they could be a sneaky wild card team i wouldn't want to play them right now because josh dobbs the pastronaut is an x factor the other thing we got to flip the script to is man Rough looking injury from Derek Carr. We're not too sure exactly what happened. Saw maybe head, saw some shoulder, but shout out to Jameis Winston coming out and just slinging it with no regard like it's 2018, 2019 bucks. I really was excited to see what the Saints offense looked like with somebody that was willing to just push it downfield and push it downfield in a way that gave his guys chances for 50-50 balls, not just overthrowing people just to play it safe. The Saints coming back from a 20-something point lead to at least put up a fight at the end showed that Jameis Winston is ready to go. I'm excited to see what he can do with a full week of prep, and I think that the Saints are better with him in the lineup. Makes me appreciate Alave more. I think he's going to get more targets. I don't know. The NFC South is in shambles, and I think the Saints are the least in shambles of the group right now, and that's going to be a fight to the finish 
or mid. The Saints are one of those teams where like somebody has to make it to the playoffs in the NFC, and they have like enough guys on their roster to where they should be decent. And I could see them being like 07, 08 Giants, where they just they kind of make a run, and they're one of the bad teams that get hot at the right time. And it looked like even they were they were down 21 points. As soon as Jameis Winston stepped in, if that game had started 0-0, the Saints would have won. I'm excited to see what it looks like moving forward. Another game that I'm actually not going to talk about, the Bucks titans You know, we're going to back that up, actually. We're going to talk about one play in particular. My not-so-play-of-the-year play of the year. I'm talking Vita Vey playing D-end and getting a speed rush on a tackle and beating him with a speed rush while his helmet's jacked sideways and he is looking through his ear hole to one-arm grab Levis and pull him to the ground. And then to continue to celebrate while looking through the ear hole of his helmet. It was marvelous. It was a wonderful TikTok. And I'm just going to say that I really appreciated that because that game sucked. And that was the one shining moment in that game. I will say that I added Rashad White to a lot of my slips because he's a big receptions back. And uh, he decided to just score on a really long reception versus get a few down the field. And it completely blew a few of my slips. But hey, you can't blame good players for making good plays. The next part of this one, the Cowboys, I know that they're just rolling bad teams, but they're actually, they're a good team. If you could keep Mike McCarthy out of situational play calling and just let him call open field and like everything up to four minutes left in each quarter, every single game, they'd be cooking right now. It's kind of like the Saints pulling Garrett Carr in the red zone. They need to pull Mike McCarthy out of situational football because they are on fire right now. And the Giants are really bad, but Dak's playing the best football of his career. He looks like he's fully recovered from his ankle injury he had a little bit ago, two years ago, and he's running around. He's making plays scrambling. He looks really comfortable. And I'm not going to lie to you, he's throwing the ball so well. He's super accurate. He's making different types of throws. He's not just throwing on a line. He can layer it. He can put it on a line. He can put it back shoulder. Like he's like honestly coming into his own from what I can see as a passer. And CD Lamb is a dude. He can play, obviously. But he's one of the top guys in the league right now. And just like he said in his quote, if you don't believe it, he's going to show you again next week. He's on an absolute burner right now. I wish I had him in fantasy, but I'm also going to be looking out for his slips with his receptions because dude is getting over 10 targets a game. And I think the lines are typically set at like six and a half, seven and a half max. You'll lose your multiplier, but I like what they're doing with CeeDee Lamb. They're feeding him and the other guys on the team are eating as well. The other thing kind of sneaky to note, their running back, he's kind of sneaking into those shares and taking them from Pollard. And I know it was a blowout, but he's doing more with the carries than Pollard is right now. And he looks more explosive. So Something to note as the year goes on, Pollard's value, in my opinion, has been going down since like week three or four, but it's like kind of getting a little scary right now. He might be split in time for real in crunch time situations. We'll see what they do when it comes time for divisional games, but I don't know, man. That's something to note. And if you're a Giants fan, I'm, I'm really sorry that you have to go through this every week. If you're the Giants owner, Giants anything, Sometimes a reset button is a really good thing to hit. And right now, you need a full-on dynamite stick on top of a reset button because it's a dumpster fire. Your offense, your defense is getting absolutely worked by the Cowboys scout team. Like the guys that aren't even starting, they came in and kept rolling. The Cowboys were rolling all the way through. And please, for the love of God, just get rid of Saquon Barkley. Don't ruin this man's prime of his career. His prime's already probably over. Give this guy a parting gift. Let him, let him get a few good years on a team that can do something. Give him the Christian McCaffrey treatment. Like, hey, we're out of here. We're rebuilding. We're going to throw you a bone. Enjoy. We loved having you, but 
I want to see Saquon Barkley in a New Jersey next year. And it's just that Bugatti in a trailer park, honestly. Speaking about Bugattis in a trailer park, Bijan Robinson got some touches. They used him a little bit more. He was the RB1 for their team. He played really well, but the Falcons just Falcons again. But Kyler Murray's back. And Kyler Murray was back back after Call of Duty dropped this week, then went on to put a stellar game-winning performance. The third and 10 that he had to get them into field goal range, I don't know if anybody saw that. The back and forth, like spinning around, running. It was probably, he probably ran like 60, 70 actual yards in that play to get like 15. He looked pre-ACL Kyler, and that was really exciting to see because that was one thing that I was worried about this week going into it. I wasn't touching his rushing yards because I was like, how is he going to come back? What's it going to look like post-surgery? Give him a few weeks maybe to get his feet under him, but like he turned it on right away. They needed it right away. They got a sneaky win and they got James Conner back getting the dirty yards. That dude is always falling forward. And with Kyler Murray being able to make the plays he does, having a running back that's always kind of getting those extra one, two, three yards a pop. Cardinals aren't just like a fade for any for me anymore. Like I'm not just going to be like, oh, playing cards, pick them. I also think that fantasy wise, something you need to look out for is the Cardinals throw the ball to their tight ends a lot. That's in part due to the way that they run their scheme with their cross sifts, the flat routes and everything with the tight ends, the RPOs. But their tight ends had 10 receptions yesterday. And I'm pretty sure there are, most of those guys are available. If you need a guy that's going to guaranteed get you five to eight points, you got him. The other thing that really frustrates me about the Falcons, flipping the script back, we got to just talk about this. They had 12 completions passing the ball this game. If you cannot find at least 20 completions in a game in the NFL, maybe, just maybe, your style of offense is outdated. I don't know. You're the head coach calling the plays. You're an offensive coordinator also. And you played offensive line. And you're also in charge with calling the pass game, creating the pass game. And it all is funneling off of what your run game looks like. Maybe that's not a good fit for modern day football in the NFL. And for me, like, you can't tell me that you look at a team like the Texans and they had a full, fresh restart this year and they are passing the ball 30, 40 times a game, sometimes 50 times a game. And you are the Falcons and you can only muster up 12 completions in a game. Like, your style of football isn't it and it's not sustainable. You have, like, a decent roster. And for me, if I'm the owner, Arthur Blank, much respect to your three years that you gave me in Atlanta, you got to look outside and see what other people are doing, how easy they're having success. And maybe take a look in your Falcons mirror, little Falcons logo, and just say, look, football, the way we play it looks a little different than the football that other people play. And they're having a little more success. We're not having that much success. And we have a better roster. Like, I think the answer is so obvious. And after talking to former players with the Falcons that I'm still friends with that are now elsewhere, it just seems like, look, they're stubborn. The way they play football is stubborn. They know they have a solid roster, but I don't know, man. It's just... Everyone believes there needs to be a change. And if the people on the inside aren't willing to make the changes, something's got to give. Because 12 completions in the National Football League is not acceptable when you have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. I guarantee you there's at least 20 between the three of them to get every single week. And they're just not finding them. So we'll see how much longer this lasts. But the roster isn't terrible. Their management of the team is and something's got to give. You know, another game that was kind of sneaky this week was the Commanders and the Seahawks. Geno Smith looked back. He played really well, and I also think his knee looks healthier. He's moving a little bit better. I think that was really bothering him the last few weeks and hurting his performance. And Sam Howell on the flip side of that, dude. Sam Howell leading the league in passing right now. Yes, he has thrown the ball like 80 times more than the next closest guy, but he's making some elite throws in big plays. 
And in my opinion, like they're not even offensively like using their wide receiver one, like a true wide receiver one. They're probably going to hit a full reset with their coaching staff this year. And man, would I love to see Sam Howell get a guru, like a real guru on offense. Like I know they got the enemy and everything, but it doesn't look like the Chiefs and how they call plays. I know he's dealing with a different roster and everything, but I see the commanders getting a full reset. I would love to see Sam Howell get into a system that plays to his strengths a little bit better. Maybe uses a real wide receiver one. Scary Terry could be that guy, but they don't use him like that. He gets like four targets a game. Sam Howell, kudos to you. You're playing well. Geno Smith back. Kenneth Walker busted a huge run, huge for fantasy. A lot of people have Kenneth Walker anytime touchdowns. It hit on a really nice play. That was nice to have. The other thing to note, like, man, the Seattle team, like, they had a rough stretch a few games ago. Like, they didn't look too good, but, like, if they play like they did this last week, they're in the hunt of the division, and the 49ers are still trending up now. They got off the off the schneid. They had a good game this last week, but that Seattle 49ers matchup, when it comes time to the end of the year to decide a division, it's going to be a wild game, and I cannot wait to see it. A little bit of a less wild game, the Raiders. Jets. This game really blew my mind. The Jets defense played so well. The Raiders defense played pretty well. Zach Wilson's game losing interception was really tough to see because he made some sick throws. He made some great plays and he messed up on an interception that was just bad. Like it, it was just bad, especially scheme wise to throw a stick route and get it picked off by a linebacker is just something that like should never really happen. And I don't know if he just like had a brain fart or just like was tired, mentally exhausted, and just was going through the motions. But it was such a bad game ceiling interception that we really haven't seen him do that. And man, that really hurts because Aaron Rodgers trying to make his comeback mid-December confirmed. I think I saw somewhere the Jets maybe have like a even 3%, a 3% chance of making the playoffs. I just don't see, man, I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers come back this year. And I just don't know if they're like out of playoff hunt, will he? I hope he does. I think December football is a little less rough on the body. Teams typically don't hit as hard you know like things are a little bit cleaner by then than they are typically earlier in the year I don't know that was just tough to see it was it was a really solid performance by Zach Wilson up to that point and it kind of erased all the good things that he did for how bad that interception was but also shout out to the Raiders beautiful mustache and all actually went to Devontae Adams a lot Devontae had 13 targets and Devontae's happy a lot of targets Devontae is a happy Devontae and he likes a quarterback with a mustache that's going to throw him the ball a lot also Garrett Wilson is a certified dog I don't know if you saw some of those key plays that he had this past week but there was one that really stuck out he had a slant across the middle Blitz off the slot, safety rolling down, and he knew he was going to get blown up. But it was a must-have third down. He had arms outreached, extended, took it to the gut, bobbled it, caught it, and got back up for the next play. Garrett Wilson played his butt off, and he's fun to watch. And I'm really excited to see him more so next year with a guy that's going to be able to put pinpoint accuracy on the ball, and Garrett's going to thrive. So the fact that Garrett Wilson's doing what he's doing right now with Zach Wilson throwing on the ball, just wait. It's going to be fun to watch. That about wraps up the Sunday slate. Just so everybody knows, we're recording these on Mondays. The Monday night game has not yet happened, and I'm going to give you my blind prediction on this Bills-Broncos game. I think there's going to be a lot of tables broken in that parking lot. The Bills need this win. They're like on the outside looking in in the playoff hunt. They're playing against the Broncos. The Broncos have had some sneaky good wins recently, but they're playing in Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to get to Russell Wilson's head, to his kazoo helmet that he wears. And I think Josh Allen is going to realize that he's got to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs at least eight times a game. 
really more like 12, 13, 14 times if they want to do things on offense. And he's not just going to throw the ball to his tight end 15 times. So I'm going to say that the Bills are actually going to show up on Monday night. They're going to show up to be the Bills that we thought they were in preseason. They're going to absolutely smack the Broncos down, send them back to Denver. And Josh Allen might have one of his like three passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown performances. And then Denver's terrible defense will be back to being terrible. So that's what we're pulling for. That's where my slips are riding. And we'll see how it all plays out. All right, now that we've recapped all the games of the week so far, we need to hop into our next segment, the waiver, talk fantasy. And I have a few key pieces that I really want to talk about. And again, every league's different. The guys that are available are different depending on 10-man leagues, 12-man leagues, 8-man leagues, you never know. But these are the ones that stuck out in my leagues. So we got Khalil Shakir. He is playing pretty good football these last three weeks considering like he's like a fourth guy on their kind of target list right now. He's had four targets, six targets, and four targets each of the last three weeks, and he's caught every single one of them. And if you're someone that's desperate, which I know a lot of fantasy owners right now are, Teams are decimated. Injuries have been bad this year. He's gotten five and a half, 12.2, and 7.7 points in the last three weeks. And Denver's defense, if they decide to regress back to what they have been, should get, be giving up some points to him. He's going to get his four receptions minimum, most likely. Going to get his 40 yards receiving, and he should be a nice flex add if you're absolutely needing it. But again, even moving forward to next week, they play the Jets. I wouldn't play them that week, but they got Philly, then a bye, Casey, Dallas, Chargers, New England, Miami last stretch of the year. If you need a guy that's worth stashing, I would add him. He's kind of like that Shahid for me from the Saints earlier in the year. Another one that I really like in this is Rondell Moore. Dating back to last year, Rondell Moore was one of my guys that was on my sleeper list. And when Kyler got hurt, he plummeted for me. He does not see the targets with any other quarterback that he does with Kyler. They must be gaming, playing caught together. They've got to be boys because up until this year, he only saw seven targets one time. The last three weeks, it's been four, three, and two. And now you have this week with Kyler back. Dude saw eight targets with five receptions and 43 yards. I think that's going to only get better. They have Hollywood Brown and him playing similar roles, but Kyler's clearly comfortable with him. He's 5'7", 180. Kyler's what, 5'8"? They got this little thing going, dude. They got to be gaming in the back. They're shorter guys. They vibe with each other, and Kyler obviously likes him. And if you're in the needy tight end department, which I feel like a lot of people are as well, this one's sneaky. Kyler Conklin. Kyler Conklin is tight end 21 right now, which you're decimated. If your team's hurt, if you have tight ends out, whatever, you got bye weeks, he's available in waivers. And then in the last two weeks, he's had six targets and seven targets has caught every single ball thrown his way, and he has over 136 yards receiving in the last two weeks. No touchdown, and to put up basically 10 points on average over the last two weeks, that's pretty solid for a tight end that you can find on waivers. The last thing that I have for you guys in this department is the defense, and I think that the best teams in the league in fantasy are always hunting waivers. They're looking for kickers and defenses based on matchup every week that can fit the bill and elevate, and if you have that extra slot to have people plugged in and out each week and put into your lineup, you need to use it. And this week, my guaranteed bomb pick of the week is the Commanders' defense versus the Giants' offense. They're available. They're on waivers. I just don't see how the Commanders don't get after the Giants because they're that bad. I know that the Commanders traded away some guys up front. It's the Giants. And I am on Team Fade the Giants every single game of the year. So the Commanders are a rental defense for this week. Another one that I really like, maybe even more than that, is the Lions' defense versus the Bears. I think that the Lions could pop off. Again, 
more of a rental defense. They got waxed this week defensively against the Chargers. But those two, if you're in need of a defense or kind of iffy about your starting defense, go rent a defense. Find them on waivers. Bring them in. Kick them to the curb. They should get you anywhere from 8 to 15 points. And right now, that makes all the difference in winning and losing your fantasy league. All right, now that we're done recapping the week, talking about waivers, we need to go back and recap our slips of the week because there's some really good tells of what we need to be doing for next week to maximize our profitability. And I think the key theme is we need a shorter net. We need a a little smaller net, not so wide range of people that we're picking. And we need to lock in on our guys that we just have full belief in and hammer them versus sprinkling all over the place. So, but some of my key hits of this week, we have Hunter Henry. He had a late cover. So did Brees Hall. Both of them had three receptions. Their line were set. Their lines were set at two and a half each, a little 500 paid out. 1,270. And then our boy Keenan Allen mixed with CD Lamb. Keenan's was set at six and a half receptions, which was kind of steep, but I like the targets that he gets. And CD Lamb, five and a half, a little 100 piece nugget paid 257. We had Ferguson mixed with Henry, another one, dude. All of these slips, like they really came down to the wire. 100 for 268. We also threw in a little Gibbsy there too. Gibbs had a last minute clutch fourth quarter reception to hit over two and a half. We had Gibbs, Henry, and Michael Pittman all hit two and a half, two and a half, and five and a half respectively. A little 100 makes 375. And really what this is doing for me is I'm finding out that I need to pick less guys. I need to have less of a wide net of picks and really lock in on the guys that I believe are the best players on their team. Maybe not the third, fourth guys because over the course of time, You can guarantee target share going to the top guys more often than not, them catching more often than not, and them hitting their yards in the right games with the right matchups with the right game scripts. The other thing that really just blew my mind is this this is really where my bad losses lie. I put Derrick Henry to have two receptions in way too many slips. And my guy played on a team that only put up six points and he only had one reception for minus four yards. If you can't find a way to get your best player on the field, more than one touch in the passing game. He only had 12 touches all game long. You've got to get him involved. And that one just hurt because, again, even seeing his one reception, I would not have picked the under, even knowing the outcome. Like, I just wouldn't believe it. So hopefully next week, they set it again at one and a half, and I'm going to hammer it again, and they're going to realize that they messed up and make an adjustment and find ways to get him the ball easier on screens because they win games when they do that. That is it, man. Episode two of Pocket Presence. Thank you guys for being here as we work through the kinks, iron things out, and get this thing rolling. We'll be looking for the next drop to be on Thursday, then again on Sunday. Again, episodes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to follow, like, subscribe, comment, and everything in between, and be sure to put on notifications so you never miss an episode. Until next time, thank you for being here.